You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 117, sponsored by Jim Henley's Universe, the Netflix, and FooComics.com, or so we heard. You almost said around comics. Last time I checked, this was still the iFanboy Pick Me Podcast, episode 117, and I'm still Ron. I'm still Connor, apparently. <laughs> and I'm Josh, and you totally threw me off. You win, win. this week. <laughs> Those aren't the words I expected to hear. <laughs> so this here is a podcast from iFanboy.com, which is a website about comics where we read comics. And every week, we uh, one of us picks our favorite comic, writes a little review of it on that website, iFanboy.com, and then we come here and talk about it, as well as the other books that came out every week. Um, we just want to warn you, before we start talking about the books, we might spoil some stuff. We're going to talk about what happened, so if you haven't read your comics, put them down. Put, well, press pause. Pick the <laughs> put them down, out. drop them. Yeah, just stop reading comics, all right? Just stop. <laughs> uh, read your comics, come back, listen to the podcast, you'll enjoy it that much better. Um, and also, um, uh, it was Josh's pick, so uh, <laughs> it's up to him. <laughs> this is a bad start. Uh, okay, fine, omens are bad. Okay, speaking of omens... <laughs> the pick this week was John Constantine, Hellblazer, number 240. Written by Andy Diggle and drawn by Leonardo Manco. And defensively reviewed by Josh Klein. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't think that was the case. Although, I am surprised that A, anybody else is reading it, and B, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's still, it was kind of a weird week because there was a lot of books I was looking forward to, but not a lot of books that I enjoyed. Um, and... And I, I just think with with a book like this, I wasn't being defensive, but as much as I was trying to convince people who don't read it that they should probably take a look at it. Um, and and I and one of the things that I said in my in my review is that this book is is basically a superhero book. You know, he's got a uniform, he has powers, uh, he's just extremely reluctant and sort of in self denial. What you have is John Constantine who sort of time and again has saved the earth through, you know, magical rumblings and things from, from demons and, and, and evil sorcerers and stuff like that. But he just completely doesn't want to take himself or any of it seriously. Um, and he's sort of... He's just like this complete anti-hero, but he still does the right thing every time it comes up. And one of the things that I think keeps people away from this book is that it's 240 issues in, um, which... Is that, I mean, is that 20 years? I mean, yeah, 20 years. So that's, that's no small thing, and I think that that scares away people. But one of the things that I realized as I was thinking about what to write about this is that, you know, there's not really a whole hell of a lot of continuity that you need to know. On most new arcs, you can pretty much pick it up and start reading. That's what I did, you know, and it was at like 150-something at the time. You know, it's, it's a actually fairly accessible book. However... You have to kind of like the 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 cultural British aphorisms and things in it. Um, you think so? Y- yeah, I mean, especially now, um, Andy Diggle has really has put the Brit back into it. Uh, a lot of the 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 dialogue is pretty heavy, and he's not giving a lot away to you. The first scene is basically John Constantine meets uh in a chinese restaurant with a, a crooked cop and like the the dialogue is is fairly thick with sort of working class uk you know 
Scouser, uh, Cockney kind of accents. Um, and, and I love that. I mean, I'm, I'm actually, I'm a big fan of that because it's, it's, you know, I'm sure if you're British, you're like, this sounds stupid, but, you know, to me, it's, it's a, it's a really neat sort of way of speaking and it's sort of sing-songy and, and it really gives everything a, a character. Um, and Andy Diggle, since he's been on this for the past, I don't even know how many issues, six months to a year, something like that, has just been, every, every, every issue that's come out has been great. Um, there's been like a six issue arc and then like a single issue and then, you know, on and on like that for a while. Um, and every time, every time the new story starts is a, is a perfect time to jump on. So this right here is a really good time to jump on. Um, what's, what's this one about? Um, basically, it's a little like uh, Straczynski's totem thing. Where uh, this uh, there is there's a demon, and, or he's not a demon. He's like a special some other kind of demon with a different name. And what he does is he goes and he absorbs the power of mages and magicians. John Constantine is actually officially a mage for those of you out there who are playing with DPS. Um, <laughs> and and he's of course a threat to the whole world. And basically this this old like there's another mage who is like an old tribal dude and you know wearing only a loincloth in Africa and he was killed by this demon but the he and the demon then subsumed all of his power and 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 uh knowledge but the the shaman took a little bit of his knowledge and put it in a tree root which he then smuggled to the UK uh and so John Constantine gets a hold of the tree root and finds out that he is the laughing magician who is a presence who has been forth ever since there was man and and so there's this long thing about how important he is to the scheme of everything, and, and he's the counterbalance to evil, and blah, 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 blah. And at the end of it, he just goes, oh, fuck off. And, you know, and he, he throws the two-finger salute up to the, the camera, basically. Um, and it's just, it's his attitude. This book is really all about Constantine's attitude. And it, it's, it's not unlike House, as like I said, because it's just like a really interesting character, and each story is, is just a problem that he's got to solve and get through. And the character itself is actually just interesting enough that you just want to watch it, even though the stories are not necessarily incredibly thrilling all the time. It's good I, enough. These are the times where, where I, I wish we were all in the same room doing the podcast, because I wish you could see me stifling the laughter when you went through that whole he is. Well, no, this is the thing, though. But it, how is that any different like, than you're a, you're a mutant who has wings? No, it's not. It's not. And what, what made me laugh and what's making me – when you went through all that, I, you know, um, I think my eyes, I think, might have broken their retinas from rolling back so much. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that everything I know of Constantine as a character, as yeah. like the stormy Brit kind of thing, that's something I totally dig. You and know? that's what and I'm so, saying. But his yeah. attitude as a character yeah. is very similar to your attitude as a reader. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that's why. That's why. I mean, I'm. 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 I'm laughing at the. At the, I don't know what the the juxtaposition of that of like this kind of you know, basically this concept that he's somewhat immortal or like ever present in terms of the history of man, mm-hmm. but it's that it's manifested in this you know sarcastic you know brusque British guy. You know, he used to be you know in the seventies he was part of the punk movement and in, in London like you know he was right. you know using bands. He's just a dude, yeah. and 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 you know his whole front his facade is oh fuck all this I don't need anything to do with this and you know. But, you know, he keeps doing the right thing, you know, not unlike any other superhero. Um, right. You know, a great personal sacrifice. And, you know, the, his whole – his facade is, is the thing that probably keeps him together. Either way, I'm reading this and I'm just thinking, I think you guys should try this book. Okay. I say try this issue out and tell me if you like – because the thing is there's not a great big continuity that you have to avoid. And I think that the character really is intriguing enough that, that you know – 
there's no reason that you wouldn't like this book. Leonardo Manco has been on art duties on this book for a long time, and he's yeah. got it down. You guys will remember him. He he did those Western books that we talked about on the Western show, uh, Blaze of Glory and Apache Skies. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just a good book, uh, and 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 one the other thing that's interesting about this, like a lot of those sort of uh, case study TV series, is that the artist actually do uh, the the writers actually tend to do a pretty good job of throwing him into some pickle that you, you'd you'd have a hard time seeing him get out of, and you know you root for him and you want him to win. Um, it's just been great since Diggle came on. Um, there's actually a big fun action scene at the end where the plane lands and they find out. You know, it's it's very it's a very standard comic book, really. But it's just enough attitude and personality to set it apart that that's uh, I really like it, and I have for a long time, and I don't get to talk about it enough. So, what makes it a Vertigo book? Well, it's pretty much the progenitor of Vertigo books, um, right? But, but well, I mean, what is it about it? That ma- I mean, it sounds very non-Vertigo-y from the way you describe it. Oh, I think it totally is, and I, I mean, his attitude is very. Uh, it's there's a lot of those characters who have that sort of antisocial attitude that Vertigo has. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it's a magic book, so it's based out of, I, it comes out of, I can't remember, I believe Constantine showed up originally in Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Yes. Um, and so, for, you know, that's where a lot of the Vertigo stuff came from. It's it's completely adult-oriented, the language is totally adult, um, you know, the concepts are, are it, there's a lot of sort of uh, nihilism about humanity and people, but it does have a lot of, the, you know, in Constantine lies that underlying hope, really, that you that you can barely see, that sort of light that shines through a little bit. Um, I don't know how to explain how it's a Vertigo book, but to me, this is one of the quintessential Vertigo books. This oh, yeah, it, is it totally there. is. Historically, I just curious. It sounds very standard. Well, the, the twist on it is that you've got a magician, but you know, it's basically about a, you know, it's Merlin the magician, <laughs> but nobody likes him, and he doesn't like anybody else, and he just walks around being cool with his cigarette. Right. Um. <laughs> You know, I actually have the trade. I've got the um, Hard Times trades. That one's okay. That was actually the first arc that I ever read. Um, I That's really the Azarello. That's an Azarello yep, wrote. Yep, I re- that was the and that was the best Azarello did on that on that arc. Um, and then Mike Carey was on it for a few years. I really need to at some point go back and read a lot of the Ennis uh, Dylan ones. I mean, and that, then, who was the first? Was it was it who was Jimmy Delano? Delano? Yeah. Um, that's supposed to be good too. I have one of the arcs that that um, Garth. I have one trade that Garth Ennis wrote, which was a lot of what the movie was based on. Um, and you know what? The the movie Keanu say whatever you. They actually got the attitude of everything pretty close to down. It wasn't a bad movie. It wasn't a bad movie, but what it didn't have was sort of the charm of of him as a Brit, which is really the one yeah. missing element that I think really makes the book interesting. Um, but but the thing is, how I don't know why I haven't read those Ennis Preacher or Ennis Dillon books. I mean, those are the those are the precursors to Preacher. They've got to be pretty good. <laughs> so I, I I will say that all the talk you've you've had about it since Diggle's been on intrigued me. And there's there is a trade of Diggle's stories coming out. Uh, I think in the summer. And I think that so they I would read pretty well in trade. Yeah, so I might look at that. Okay, um, that's good. yeah, I think we'll get. I mean, I, I know. I mean, I, I gotta. I commend the uh, consistency of the book. Any issue that you know, I, I, I always like it when we have picks of the week with three digit numbers. Yeah, in their issues because that means it's a book that matters, and and we've often talked about. It. I mean, two forty is not is is no easy number to get to. No, and, and it's so, yeah. and it comes out on time and yeah. consistently every month and it has the whole time since I've been reading comics. It's like the Lou Gehrig of comics. This is my I think this is like my first Vertigo book. Yeah. Wow. So Yeah, no, I'll check it out. I'll read your issue, I'll borrow it. I'll check it out. Good stuff. I'm not beyond it. 
And, you know, I didn't even... Basically, this was just another really good issue. It wasn't anything that was specific about it that other than this was totally the best book that I read cover to cover this week. There you go. That's the um, pick of the week, then. Yeah, there that's you all go. you need. That's, that's, that's all there is. Ron? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I have questions. You've got questions? <laughs> questions with X's related to them? Yes. Yeah? All right. Um, well, so it was a big week for the X-Men. Um, X-Men issue 207, the... Uh, the last chapter of the Messiah Complex crossover and Astonished X-Men number 24, 24, seemingly the last issue of Weed and Cassidy's run. The last um, regular issue. The last regular issue. Um, which one do you want to start with? X-Men 207. Okay. Um, I'm honest with you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, rough ending. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this Messiah Complex was very good up until about the middle. And I think okay. the middle was a lot of filler. Yep. Uh, and then in the end... It was a lot of filler. Yep, and then and then now, but th- what I thought was interesting was that this was definitely a finale. Yeah, like stuff finished, mm-hmm. but I still don't really know what or why. I, I was left with questions. Still. Yeah, well, that's the problem then. I... Um, just to go over the good things about it, um, Wolverine often gets a lot of shit. I yeah. think over the past fifteen years that he's lost his relevancy and that he never wins a fight and all this kind of yeah. stuff. And th- this at least had a good Wolverine, oh yeah, that's Wolverine moment, when he takes it upon himself to take out the Predator X by diving into its mouth and killing him from the inside. Yeah. That was, that was pretty good. cool. That was, a, that was a cool little moment. And like, I wish he had done that about ten weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. <laughs> and, so, and so we end up with a, with a bit of a discussion standoff between Cable, Cyclops, and Professor Xavier about the baby. We still don't know who the baby is. Or what the relevancy and and, the, and what I'm guessing is the <laughs> you baby, should the, the what I'm guessing is the baby is going to be the thrust of the next several years of stories I would imagine yeah. you know well I mean it's, it's highly indicated that it's that it's Gene I mean there's, there's a lot of hints of it yeah oh yeah there's tons of hints of the Gene but there's also that it could be Rachel too I mean yeah that's probably, true you know the baby um, also well I'll get to that so go ahead go ahead yeah Finish um, I would just like I I really really liked and did I call the flashback to that X-Factor when they took Cable away? You did. You absolutely did. Yep. So I, I'm glad. I read that and I thought, oh, he's going he's gonna to be... I'm going to be floating? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really, really pissed at what they did with Rogue. Really? People, I thought people seem to like that online. What, I don't know. what did they do with Rogue? Well, what happened with Rogue was that Rogue has slowly been the, descending down this line of, of, of not mattering. And, She's um, totally irrelevant in all the books I've been reading. Yeah, totally, totally irrelevant. And what they did was they had her absorb all the minds of the people who who lived on Cable's Island or whatever. So she had all these minds in her head, and, and, and it just made her body shut down. And so w- touching the baby for some reason cured her of that, and she was herself again. And I was like, yes, okay, great, we've got Rogue back. But then she gets pissed at Mystique for doing what Mystique did and goes to kill her. But touches her before she goes to kill her, so Mystique, you know, so now Mystique's in her head. Yeah. She doesn't have the balls to kill her, but now she's got Mystique in her head, and it ends with her putting her hood on and going, "If you care about me, Remy, don't follow me," and becoming this brooding, like, "I love you, but stay away from me again." And like, this is like the third, fourth time I've seen her do this to Gambit. It's like enough. I wish someone would. I wish Wolverine jumped into Gambit's mouth and killed him from the inside. No, I like Gambit. Don't get me wrong, but I, it, it, they had a moment. They had a clean slate with Rogue, and they yeah, went. And they, yeah, and but- they went. Do you, you know, think they, maybe they've done what they can do with her? 
Maybe that's maybe, maybe there's a limitation to her character. Like, well, no, I don't think there is because they were because before all this started, they were they were kind of escalating her into a leadership role and all that kind of stuff, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. But now they make the, now they're, they're just beating down the door of the the burden of her powers again, which is like what they've done with her. I want to see something new, and I don't th- I don't think that they've done all they can do. With her. Well, I but I mean, I mean, it's it, a missed well, opportunity. You know? Well, sure, so. but maybe these aren't the people that do it. You know, for whatever yeah. reason, maybe they can't handle Rogue. You know, because. You know, her thing so, is, you know, she absorbs all the powers. So, like, that's the thing you keep exploring. They seem like they keep backing themselves in that same corner with it. Yeah, but they never use her with absorbing powers. They, they've, they've gone, down the, they've gone this, down the path of the absorbing the minds and the souls of the people uh-huh. and getting way more cerebral than they need to be when it was much cooler when she could touch somebody really quickly, have their powers for a few minutes, and then it fades. Who did that? I mean, is that, this sounds like a Claremont thing to me. It, um, it might have started with Claremont, but it's, it's definitely been whoever's been writing it over the past few years. It's been everybody. Um, I blame Casada. Awesome. Um, <laughs> um, but but so but so then ultimately it ends up with um, Cyclops relinquishing the baby to Cable. In what I thought was a, a well, all the scenes with Cable, Professor, and Cyclops were great. No, that was a great. When was, Cable was says, you know, it says Cyclops, Scott, Dad. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, they definitely addressed it, and they say, okay, so, you know, Cable, take the baby in the future, make her safe. And for some reason, Bishop goes crazy and goes to shoot Cable as he's fading away, and gives Professor Xavier a headshot. <laughs> and in, oh, in the span, and in the span of two pages, Professor Xavier is dead, and it leads to Scott saying, "It's over. The dream's over. There are no X Men." But he's not dead because if you look on the last page, it's yeah. X Men Legacy. What becomes of the world's most powerful telepath after his mind has been shattered by a bullet? <laughs> he's not dead. He's just in a mind shattered state. Um, God, I feel like I've read that story. I, I um, and I don't read a lot of X Men. Two two big problems with this. Yep. Final issue. One, let me just say, I thought uh, it was well written. Yep. Um, I thought there was a lot of really good scenes in it. But then, and I didn't. And overall, I keep going back and forth whether or not I really, really hated it or really didn't like or, or enjoyed it because I, I think about different scenes and I like that. But then overall, there was about six different storylines or threads going through this collect yep. this this story, and and almost none of them were resolved. But now we've got six excellent books to buy. Yep. If we if we want to if we want to know about what happened to Jamie. And Lila in the future, we got to buy X Factor. If we want to know what happened to the baby, we got to buy Cable. Yep. And uh, if we want to know what happens with um, Mystique, uh, <laughs> that's X Force, uh, right? No, that's Wolverine. And then we got to do. You know, it's like. <laughs> and then we got uh, Young X Men to see what Pure happens. we got to buy X Force, and yeah. and it's just like uh, it felt very very cheap. You know. Yeah. Well, that's how I the felt other, at the, the end of problem, 52. The other, the other big problem was. Um, the art was just horrendous in this issue. Well, Bachelor, yeah, Bachelor. I mean, no, but it, but it was it was worse than normal. Bachelor. Yeah, it was it was really yeah it was really bad. Yeah, I mean, there was some pages where I literally some things I couldn't follow. Literally, I, I literally couldn't when Predator X. I think bit Bishop. Yeah, I, I I couldn't. It took me ten minutes to figure out what had happened in that panel. Well, I mean, I think I think what sums it up is the is the Finch cover. Yeah. Where you've got Mystique holding a gun to Warpath's head. A six-shooter. Yeah, yeah, six-shooter, yeah. (laughs) Then you've got Wolverine slashing Bishop, and you've got Cyclops shooting something, and you've got Emma Frost looking at Gambit, and you've got Cable and the baby, and you've got got X-23 fighting the the green chick, and you've got, uh, you know, Nightcrawler kicking Iceman. Like, it's just completely chaotic, and I think that – and, like, the thing – and while I'm reading this, for some reason, this crossover really has me wanting to dig up Extinction Agenda, which is my all-time favorite X-Men crossover, Mm -hmm. because that – because I thought – for a moment while I was reading this book, I'm like, you know, this is why people complain about the X-Men, that there are too many characters, there's too much stuff going on. But in Extinction Agenda, there was still a ton of characters, but it was only – I think nine issues and it was very 
there were like maybe an A plot and like a B and C plot and that was it. Like it, it's you got to be precise with what you're doing with this stuff. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm going to keep reading it all and read everything, of course, because I want to see it through. I think this is better than a lot of the shit that we've read in the past eight years. No, it was still um, overall, yeah. Yeah, I think, positive, but there was a lot of negatives. And I th- the crazy thing is, like, obviously I buy X-Factor. I'm looking at this last page where it shows all the books that you've got to follow yeah. for X-Men Divided We Stand. And I'm probably going to stay yeah. I'm gonna probably stay on Uncanny because I thought Brubaker's issues were really strong. Yeah. Um, I want no part of Cable or X-Force. Uh, the art for Young X-Men looks really good. Yeah. I don't know who that is. I can't tell from the, the small picture. Yeah, it's a pencil. yeah, but it does look really good, yeah. And X-Men Legacy looks like it's a flashback to the original X-Men, which yeah, I love. Yeah, it does, yeah. So yeah. I might buy that, too. So at the end of the day, they're going to win their battle because I'm going to end up buying more X-Men books than I did previous to the Messiah Complex. Yeah. Well, that's the and as much as, I, as much as I'd say it, I think the casualty is going to be X-Factor. No, come on. No, no, I'll keep reading it, but I don't think X-Factor is going to be the same X-Factor that we've loved up to this oh, point. Oh, you mean oh. it's going to be changed? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. Oh. Yeah, I think that, yeah. That's but just me. Peter David was so happy about that when we did that show a year I ago. I know, I know. Well, that was a long time ago, Josh. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, so. But okay, wait, all right. Astonishing, though. Ah! <laughs> astonishing, ah! What? <laughs> what does that mean? Astonishing was fucking great, again! I felt like this suffered a little from the quality dis- syndrome. Oh, really? I, I mean, I su- like, the last issue was actually so good... Yep. That this one. Oh, you got to tell me the last page was the last three pages th- didn't have you. Strong finish. Strong. No, it was yeah, a totally strong. strong no, strong. it was a totally strong finish. I did suffer a little bit in this from not knowing who the hell anyone was or what anything really well, meant I anymore. Will, I will gladly, I will gladly admit, and I admitted it. I read this issue in the comic book store on Wednesday. Like I sat down and I read it, hmm. and then I and I, I was talking to somebody there. The page with Colossus in the center of the thing. Yeah. And when he's like, I'm not, I'm not great thinker, but I believe I understand this now. That whole page, mm-hmm. I don't get it. Yeah, like I don't understand. I don't anybody with a green face from that planet. I yeah. have no idea who they are yeah. and what their motivations are. I agree. You know what? I think the problem with this is that you go into it thinking it's the final issue. Yes, and that that's what killed me. Yeah, and it did it. It didn't. You know, there's still the, the giant size special to go. So yeah, I was expecting different, and it was really good. The def- I mean, the one undeniable thing was reading this right after X-Men was the artist, you know. Yeah. yeah. Botch, going from Botchlow to this was just like... Well, you know, so it's much. just... It's a very complex plot. Yeah, it is. And coming out every six weeks, you know, it, it's a little hard to follow, I think. And that, you know, the, well, the, take I, that I, as I, you will. I, I do think yeah. the things that were great about it is that these are the best characterizations of these characters I've read anywhere. Yeah, Wolverine I mean, like, has some great, has some great Wolverine lines. Wolverine in this book Cyclops. is exactly does, what Wolverine needs to be. Same with when Cyclops. Pete, when does Pete get to throw me at something? That was great. Yeah. That was a great line. So Wolverine is what is he? He's the spice in this book. Yep. 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 He spices up things, but he's not overused. He's Cyclops not overused. is fucking which, awesome. Which is yeah. what Bendis is learning to do in, in New Avengers with him. Although yeah. in that, he's a little more of an elder statesman kind of thing, I guess. He does that in here a little, but, you know. Look uh, at the uh, giant size pinup in the back. It's got the Fantastic Four. It's got the Avengers. Oh yeah, I've been looking Spider-Man. at that for, for a few weeks now. That's a beautiful. That's a beautiful poster. It's like awesome. It's got. It looks like it, it, the whole Marvel universe gets pulled into it. Spider Man. Like I can't wait to see Cassidy draw these people. I've yeah. decided that the Beast's girdle really freaks me out, though. Yeah, yeah I've, ne- I've never liked weird. it. I've never liked it. It's so. awful. Yeah. It 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 it's a bustier with the boobs out. That's <laughs> <laughs> the one. The one thing I wish they'd undo from the, the Morrison run is is. Is East, yeah. De- devolve him back a little bit. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's just good with weird. that. It was, it was good. I, I, there was not really a lot that I felt that was sticking out about. Great cover. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it did suffer a little f- from both the, covers are right. Did you see both the covers? No, I have the Cyclops oh, the, face. Yeah, I, the I, bought, I bought the Cyclops, but the variant was the was the the two color you know character set and the one of Kitty. It's a Kitty and Lockheed. It was. Yeah, that's uh, what I've got. It's a good one. I actually yeah. bought two copies. I did not see that. One of each. Boy, the um, Marvel train keeps rolling. It does, and it's so, not stopping anytime soon. <laughs> so. It's safe to say that Ultimates 3, issue number one, was a disaster because of the coloring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as soon as issue two hit the stands, I ran to it to see if they still fucked it up. And I think it's better, but I a little st- better. it's still, still dark and it's still not good. No. Uh, this would be the last issue of this I'm reading. This was... I actually really liked it. Oh my god, I thought this was the biggest collection of comic book cliches and bad dialogue I've ever read in a long time. I really, I really didn't like I thought this. it was fun. You are different than me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was nice to read an Avengers story that's not bogged down in everything, and I and I am enjoying the new Avengers and the Mighty Avengers, and I'm looking forward to Secret Invasion. But it's nice to read a detail that it's not. I don't have to read three other books for it. I can just enjoy the story. I I just I just thought like he was just doing like character caricatures of the you know like the Spider Man was just kind of yeah. silly and 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 Sabretooth said suck it. What is that? It was just. There was a lot of lines. There was, that there was something. There was something that Spider-Man said that was so. It like it was like. I mean, I don't want to knock on Jeff Loeb's age something like that, but it was like and like one of our parents writing comics. I forgot what it was though. Where was it? I. Do, I mean, I felt that the whole time that I was reading that. Yeah. Just. Oh yeah, you shot me, you screwball. <laughs> like I'm sorry, Peter doesn't say you shot me, you screwball. Ah, uh, the ultimate one might. He talks. No, I'm Ultimate cool. Spider-Man does not say screwball. He no. would say something I else. Him, I can see him saying screwball. Uh, ben well, just he, writes his, his dialogue a little bit like that. Yeah. He says weird things that normal teenagers like a do. Like a 40-year-old funny Jewish guy as opposed yeah, to a 16-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm with Connor. I didn't hate the story. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not in love with it. I'm curious, you know? I mean, it's, yeah. I like Thor in this. That's about all that I like. Yeah, you always like Thor. I like reading a story that's got the Avengers, it's got Thor, it's got Iron Man, it's got Captain America. You don't get to but I just, else, I just you know? feel as if I just feel as if uh, we just read this, the Ultimates get a coordinated attack on that mm-hmm. story within the last volume. And, and then, yeah, I didn't read the last volume. Oh, yeah. I didn't that's either. What but yeah, the, that's what it was, is that they got attacked on all fronts, you know. Like, that was crazy. The thing that really left me with a bad taste in my mouth, though, was flip the last page, oh, it's Wolverine. Yeah. I was just yeah. like, oh, seriously, this is supposed to excite me at this point. How many times in my life have I seen this, you know? I, I just, meh. Yeah. Meh. Right. So, I, wish, uh, I wish the color was better. I mean, I feel like the art would be good if it had regular flat coloring, but... Yeah. I thought the art was better than last time. Yeah, Although, no, it, it, it was a nice art. Brighter, yeah. It, didn't, it, it was it didn't, still... It's still not colored correctly. It didn't look like shit smeared across the paper. <laughs> Jeez. That's what it looked like, that first issue. It was all brown and shitty. I don't think that I like Matarera's work. I can Matarera. see why some... Matarera. Um, I I can see why people do. It's just totally not for me. That's... I like it. I've always liked it. Meh. All right. Cool, moving on. <laughs> so how psyched were you guys to see Young Adventures Presents Patriot written by Ed Brubaker? I was. I was very yeah. much. Um, more so when I learned that, that Bucky was actually in it. Um, yeah. Just because I like when he writes that. Uh, that did being it, said... Did it pay off for you? No, I was actually kind of disappointed in this. This is sort of the first time for me that Brubaker's missed the mark. He didn't miss it wildly, and I liked what he was doing, but there was something that didn't feel right about it to me. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I, I agree with you. I was a little disappointed by this. I loved, despite Alan Heinberg not caring about us, I loved. Um, I'm still bitter about that. I I loved uh, Young Avengers a lot. 
Um, of all the Young Avengers, I dislike the character Patriot the most. And you hate I, America, though. I hate America. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I don't know if 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 I like I, I don't know if I blame Brubaker for this being disappointment or blame the character because the character is just so, I don't know it just it just seemed boring to me. So. I I mean I understand what he was trying to do, but it felt a little shoehorned. I yeah. guess it was like I don't know, and because yeah. the thing is, because it felt to me like the writer. You know, it was tr- uh, he never really convinced himself, or thereby Patriot. Like he, like the whole time he's like, yeah, but it still kind of sucks. And I never felt like at the end there was that stirring moment. And what it did make me do is it made me, it made me miss Steve Rogers. Yeah, because Steve Rogers' character actually has the the gravitas to 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 pull off the thing that Bucky didn't quite do. And I think that, I think that they knew that. I think that they knew that writing Bucky, but because of it, it suffered. Yeah, I don't know. I thought he pulled it off. I thought the last scene was great. I thought um, the stuff that was in the beginning that was more shoehorned in. I thought, but if there's anybody that's got gravitas, it's Bucky. He's he was in, he was there too. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's a World War II veteran. I think the worst part of this was Paco Medina's art was wildly un, yeah. uneven, and I thought his sort of boy band haircut that he gave to Bucky was awful. Yeah, I I I, th- I did think that that like the art of Bucky. He, he I just kept thinking he was like Nightwing. Yeah, he didn't look—he didn't look like Bucky, and there was a couple of shots of Patriot where he looked like just sort of uh, uh, miniaturized. You know, the the the, the legs were too sh- short and stubby, and it was just like it was. Mm-hmm. You know, people, you know, some people can't draw teenagers; they don't know how to draw them. Yeah, they draw them as they, the the limbs are all wrong length, or they're all just miniaturized people, and it just doesn't look right. And he didn't—it just looked looked off. I would have liked to see more scenes with the grandfather. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know if if he's completely lost his mind or what, because I don't. I haven't. I've never read Young Avengers. I, I plan. I mean to. I just never got around oh, to it. It was so good. It was I'm, so, I'm so good. sure, but like that was the part where I was like, okay, this could be interesting, because like I would love to hear flashback tale of this, you know, you know, whatever. But I don't know. It just wasn't quite there. You, you can go read the truth. You know, it wasn't even bad. Yeah. No. You, I, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. It's just like compared to. I'm. You know, I'm reading through the Cap Omnibus right now. And it, it's not that. Yeah. No, I think this is like a. If I can use a home, uh, baseball metaphor, it's like a solid, you know, like double. No, nah, it's a single. Yeah. No, I, I disagree. I thought the ending was really strong. It was very stirring. Nah, it's a, it's a, it's a close double then. Connor Slid wanted in. to like Slid his books. under the tag. You wanted to like uh-huh. your books more than we did this week. I think. <laughs> it's like it's like a Jose Reyes double. <laughs> like... no, I, I thought I, mean, it was, I thought it was. If, I I've always for all my entire comic reading life, I was connected to Captain America's Bucky, and I thought the ending was very stirring. Okay. The last scene was Bucky and Patriot was great. All right, fair enough. Well, um, that's well, your it's your prerogative then. <laughs> you can do what you want to do. <laughs> Josh, you really need to read Young Avengers, though. Now, I know, I know, and it's Jimmy Chung, and it's you know. You should go pick it up. Yeah, yeah, well. Where would you do that if you could? Um, I would probably go to a comic shop. I live in New York City, so I I guess. Oh, my God, I would totally go to Jim Hanley's Universe because it's one of America's best and most progressive comic book stores. They've got all sorts of stuff like that. Like, they have every superhero thing and every indie thing and every other thing in between. Uh, the statues, action figures, and books galore. I just made that up. Um, and, and if if and when I didn't live in New York City, I always made sure to go there when I got here because uh, it's where art and literature meet. Um, it's just south of the Empire State Building on 33rd in Midtown Manhattan between 5th and 6th. Or you could go to Staten Island to 325 New Dorp Lane. It's very likely to be the very best thing on that island. Um, 
And if you go there, uh, tell them that I fanboy sent you. We very much appreciate it if you do that. Uh, you can friend them at MySpace. Uh, dot com slash Jim Hanley's Universe, or you can go to jhuniverse.com uh, because that's where our literature meet. So there. Excellent. I uh, love Dan Dare. <laughs> you want to marry? I love him. the book. I love the. I love the book. I love the character. Did you get the, what cover? Did you get? Did you get the Brendan McCarthy cover? It's so good. Yes, I got the Brendan McCarthy cover. Oh, Which okay, one's sorry, that? That's the colorful one, the pop arty one. I got the alien one. Oh. You got the pop art one. Um. I, I love I just love his sort of Britishness, you know. Mm-hmm. He's very he's very like old British soldier guy. In in a different way than John Constantine. <laughs> I, I, I imagine. Yes. Um, this you reminded me a lot of Starship Troopers. Yep. It actually reminded me of Zulu. <laughs> really? Yeah. Have you ever seen Zulu? No. It's about uh, colonization. I mean, it's it's <laughs> you have to look at it without you got to not look at it in, in a present context. Was colonization of Africa by the British and and uh, the British outpost being attacked by Zulus and they do it's very much the dialogue is similar. You know, two rows of soldiers, mm-hmm. you know, reload fire, you know, reload fire, form squares. It was very much like that. So I just love that. I love the guy. I, I my only concern with this book is, is issue three, and we're still sort of meandering on this side plot. But these are there's just great character moments in there. I'm upset this yeah. isn't an ongoing, quite honestly. Oh, I'm totally. I mean, this this is if this is an ongoing, this is one of my favorites. Yep. Yeah, great this, great stuff with with the the woman in the government office. Great stuff with when when the officers tried to get on the ship and and he he dressed them down. Just great great yeah. issue. Good good. Take off take off uniforms. Mm. You're done. Um, That's fine. We accept. <laughs> <laughs> Teen Titans fifty five. Very quickly, I thought. Uh, this is the first issue where I felt like Sean McKeever really has a strong handle on what the Titans are supposed to be about. Um, the, the classic Titan stories are always 60% uh, interpersonal relationships, 40% action, mostly you know, mostly about teenagers and living together and, and people interdating and their feelings and stuff, and this is what this was. Uh, I thought this was might, might have been the strongest Sean McKeever issue yet, the best Teen Titans I've read in a, in a while. That's opposite of uh, what I've been reading on the web about that book. Well, that's because people I don't know what they're talking about. And um, <laughs> I thought I love Jamal Eagles at work. He used to draw Nightwing, and I love him here. He does it. He does. He does it. It's big, big, clean, beautiful, bright art. And um, I'm really excited for Titans again. So there's that. Cool. Um, the Order number seven came out this week, hot on the heels of uh, the April solicitations coming out, revealing that the Order number ten is the last issue of the series. Um, after reading this issue, fucking Marvel drop the ball, let this breathe. When this came out, I was really excited for it. I thought it was really good. Barry Kitson's art, Matt Fraction's writing it. it it's been getting its legs a little, but this single issue might be looked back as the moment that Matt Fraction kind of said, you know, I belong here. The stuff in Iron Fist has been good, but you know who knows how much he's doing versus Brubaker and all that kind of stuff. I haven't been reading Punisher War Journal admittedly, but this issue, single issue... Namor and the Atlanteans attack San Francisco, and he tur- he surrenders himself to the Order, um, and it's an amazing single issue of the action going in San Francisco. What he did was Namor did was had a big tidal wave start up around San Francisco and just stop, and so, so like if it if it crashed down, it would destroy the city, but he could rescind it back, and he turns himself into the Order the Order's leader, and they have this amazing cerebral conversation. And the writing was just amazing. Kitson's art, like every four or five pages, there was a similarly laid out page that had 
um, Namor and the and the leader guy from the Order talking, and in the lower bottom eighth of the page, and the rest of the page was a huge two page splash of a moment of Namor's history, going back to Human Torch, going back to the Invaders, going back to Fantastic Four. It was just like if you're a Namor fan, and I know you're out there, you've got to pick up this issue. <laughs> all, all seven of them. Yeah, and you got to pick up this issue. And you're going to get or, email about that. Yeah, and, <laughs> and folks, if you, if you are fans of like Avengers type Marvel kind of team, that sort of thing that you know this i mean this the order has been really really good and not enough people have been talking about it because of that it got canceled and i'm telling them they're making a mistake making a mistake well i think probably more because it doesn't get sell anything well yeah but, but yeah but but yeah no, so i blame of course, blame the fans all, blame me i don't so, buy it yeah exactly so didn't you pick the first issue i did pick the first issue yeah um, and I'm glad to see with this issue that the potential I saw in it came through, and so much like similar to Hellblazer. Like Josh, I'll lend you this issue just to read it because it's a, it's really really good. You got it. So um, cool. Um, I really wanted to, to sort of put the other side on this little sandwich with a little nonconformist book. Uh, Usagi Yojimbo number 109 from Dark Horse Comics was out this week, and this was sort of the conclusion of a story that's been going on for a little while. Um, Basically, a woman who was Usagi's friend gets possessed by a demon, and there's a, a whole mess of bounty hunters out to get her. And at the end of the last issue, uh, the four good bounty hunters uh, are surrounded by, like, tens of other bounty hunters, and there's going to be a big showdown. So in this one, there was that showdown and a big fight and sort of a, sort of a bittersweet ending. And it's, it's just this is a really fun book, and, and the longer I read it, the more I appreciate each, each issue. Um, another one that's really pretty easy to jump onto. Uh, I wouldn't do it with this issue, but maybe with the next one if you were thinking about it. Um, it's one that you really learn to appreciate. It seems much more simple than it is. Uh, but th- this was a great end to a story. This was a rabbit. It was, yeah, yeah. Well, you, right. you lose that. It's just, it's not unlike in Mouse, where the, the animal are used, animals are used to sort of, uh, quickly den- uh, show you the character's personality. Right. You know, once you get over it, it's not like cute, fuzzy animal th- jokes or anything. It's just like, it's a quicker way to tell you who, who somebody is. So you know, right the right. rhino guy is kind of brusque, and the dog is, is impulsive. And, and has fleas. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So, I always uh, think of him being part of Turtles. I just, that's just what... Yeah, but it's so not. It's stuck in my head forever, because that's how they were associated. I know, but what Stan Sakai has done with it is, does deserve, you know, respect and the credit. It's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. It's, so. a, it's a really good book. I, yeah. I, I really like it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, it was an, it was an okay week. I, I had a good time with the comics. Um, but um, if you want to have a good time with the comics and you're having a hard time managing your, um, your subscriptions and that sort of thing, you should check out foocomics.com. Um, it's, it's a new website that's made for comic book stores uh, to allow their customers to control over their subscriptions and pull lists. Um, stores can manage their customers and, and um, make sure everybody gets the comics they want. It's all online. It's all free. It was designed by a comic collector, so he, he's doing it in, you know, and they're doing it in, in terms of what they'd want out of their store experience. So uh, if you want something like that, go to foocomics.com slash ifanboy or tell your store to check it out. Um, super cool, um, and it helps you make sure you get your comics when you want them. So, foocomics.com forward slash ifanboy. Excellent. It was your mail time again, as always, or almost always. Uh, The first letter is from Travis from Kansas City, Missouri. He says, I've been listening to the podcast for about four months and have watched all the video podcasts and really enjoyed both. Thank you. I just wanted to get your opinion on what comic convention would be the best to attend. I think that I would prefer to attend one of the smaller conventions. Unlike San Diego, where it's just mass chaos, I'd like to go to one where you actually have a chance to see the guest artists and writers without standing in line all day and missing out on the rest of the fun. Thank you for your time. 
right. <laughs> Thank you for your time. <laughs> well, Travis is in Kansas City, so I don't know what his travel budget looks like. Mm-hmm. But I know it's kind of short notice, but if you go to one of my favorite conventions, WonderCon in San Francisco, it's coming up at the end of February, um, February 22nd-ish that weekend. Um mm-hmm. WonderCon, Connor, you went last year, right? Yes. WonderCon is very it's small, intimate. Oh, it's very, yeah. very, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's sort of a hybrid between the small sort of regional conventions and San Diego and that there's a lot of big-name guests. A lot of people go to it, but it's also very, uh, the people are very approachable because there's not a ton of people there. Yeah, a ton totally. Of guests at it. And the panels are easy to get into, and, and it's, it's all in all a good time. They're going to be premiering New Frontier, the movie there. It's going to be awesome. Um, it's put on by the same people who do the San Diego Con, so it still has that same feel. Yeah. Um, also, big, Heroes Con. Yeah, yeah. Heroes Hero- Con is in the other direction, right? Well, but it's also it's, it, that one was to me very I similar geographically, to, right? But that's that's in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina. So maybe that's sort of yeah. easier to get to. But uh, it's, it's similar in the layout and and the, and the size of San Francisco. But um, and so the, the people there, it's very approachable. I mean, you yeah, Hero- Heroes Con is one of the is one of the gems of the con circuit of, of the the really the people who do it do it. They've got the right feeling. They got the right heart going into it, and it's everybody's there for the same reason and very, you know, very approachable. You can hang out with everybody and that sort of thing. So I thought this would be a good time though to mention the iFanboy convention schedule for two thousand eight. Yes, I agree. Uh, so if you are going to any conventions this this year, I uh, want to know where you'll find us. Uh, usually complaining about our feet. Uh, we will be at WonderCon San Francisco in um, February, right? Confirmed. Yes. Confirmed. Um, and then where are we going? We are confirmed for <laughs> New York. New York in April. New York, New York Con in April. Yep. Uh, we are going to probably be at Emerald City Con in Seattle in May. Yep. And then jumping to San Diego in July. Correct. That's probably it for us. That's probably it. I I personally really want to go to Heroes Con again, but it's going to be come down to timing and wallet and money and all stuff like that. Emerald City Con is one in Seattle that's been getting a lot of good. Uh, a lot of people last year apparently was really good, and a lot of good people are going to it. Or a lot of uh, pros are attending it this year, so we're going to check that out this year. Try something new. Um, so yeah, but those are the ones we're we're locked in on going to. So. Let me just say, on the other hand, you do have to go to San Diego at some point. I mean, there's the other. I mean, but the yeah. thing is, it is overwhelming, but it's overwhelming in a good way. Whereas that sort of masquerade, like I wouldn't recommend the New York Con. It was really kind of like claustrophobic in that way. But San Diego is just well, so th- overblown. It's like Las Vegas. You just. I'm ho- I'm hopeful for New York this year because last year New York in February in the cold just hurt it so much. The fact that it's in April now, I'm 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 curious to see how that affects the the mood, sure. You know. So. Next. It was. It was. Is too uh, too much. Yeah. yeah. In too small a space. It was just like it was just like New York. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, Caroline from Virginia writes in uh, and she's writing a different Spider-Man question than what we've probably been floored with lately and that's true uh, could you recommend what you think are the best most essential most iconic storylines for the regular Marvel Universe 616 Spider-Man. the email says 616 <laughs> that's not what I said that's why you don't read emails she wants, she wants to recommend what we think are the best most essential most iconic storylines for 616 Spider-Man so she, uh, she's gathered that none of us were fans of Straczynski's run and she's hearing a lot of talk about how great the book used to be and she wants, and she says there must be more people like her who don't know what the great runs for Spider-Man are. So basically, uh, she's she's read Loeb and Sales Spider-Man Blue, uh, read through the first Omnibus, um, and awesome. and uh, you know where do you go from there? Basically, is the question. She's heard about Ultimate, but she just wants to know about about the regular Marvel Universe Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> 
fucking 616. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, Caroline, what are you going to anything from that omnibus, Amazing Fantasy number 15, up until a little after Gwen Stacy dies? is pure gold. An entire decade of comics of Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, John Romita Sr., like all these amazing creators on it, just total gold. Total, total gold. And I think that when you go a little more modern, the the one story that stuck out to me was The Craven's Last Hunt. I I was going to say that as well, yeah. That would be the next one. And then maybe... Maybe the McFarland stuff, but I don't remember if it was actually good or not, but I think it was. I would use the the amazing, amazing... yeah, amazing. The introduction of Venom. Yeah. You know what's interesting is um, for for the show, I looked online to find trade paperbacks. Yes, for where they're collected, and surprisingly, Marvel's very good with their trade the trade program. They get things collected, but not the old stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, and there isn't really a lot of Spider-Man trades from the pre. Uh, marriage days, or even the early marriage days. Well, because I, I think that because I, I think they're in a, a position of transitioning, and they're going to start rolling them out in the bigger formats. Well, so but for now, if you really, yeah. really, really wanted to find them, from what I see, the only thing really available are uh, beyond the omnibus are the essentials. There's a lot of Spider-Man essentials. There's, there's or, also the DVD. Or there's the yeah. I was just gonna say the DVD. Yeah, yeah. Which is being phased out. So right, but so you can, can still get, get it on eBay. Out. Yeah. yeah. So if you really, you know, if you don't mind the black and white art, then pick up the Spider-Man Essentials. There's like, I saw seven or eight. There could be more volumes of that. So um, I'm a big fan of the the, the 80s period Spider-Man. I mean, I remember those, when I look back at my Spider-Man stories, those, those ones that I remember, the 80s, early 90s stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you have questions like that, you can email them to contact at ifanboy.com. Yes, um, Netflix has over 75,000 titles with no late fees, and they're free shipping both ways. Fast delivery with plans starting as low as four ninety nine a month. There's a two-week free trial if you go to www.netflix.com slash iFanboy, and we all love it. Hmm. Lovely. All right, on to the voicemail. Our voicemail. Our, our, our voice. Our voice voicemail comes... What is the voiced one, boss? <laughs> with a very simple question. Hey guys, this is Nate from Canton, Ohio. Just calling to ask a really simple question. Um, why does the new Justice League of America suck so much? That's it. Thanks, bye. I think... I wouldn't use suck so much as unfocused. <laughs> I thought I thought the Meltzer stuff got came close to suck. Uh, but I think the current stuff is unfocused. They don't, I don't feel, have a feeling they know what to do with, with the book right now. And if you read... Dwayne McDuffie, who's the writer's comments on certain message boards, you'll see that he gets a lot of direction from above uh, things he's got to put into stories. So he's not even really writing it. It's sort of the the brass is writing it. and He's, he's coordinating sort of, it. He's just sort of dialoguing it. <laughs> um, so I think that's part of the problem. Whenever you have that situation, then there's always going to be a problem from a storytelling standpoint. All I have to say with JLA is that I felt, a, I felt a wash of excitement around the title when the Meltzer run end, ended, and it has been a disappointment since then. So. Well, it's, it's funny because so many of the big-name DC properties right now are just, they're just meandering. I, I just see that. I see, I can see the tendrils of corporate meddling in those type books, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can just see them, because there's no, there's no creator focus in them. You, you, JLA, I could, every issue is a different promotional issue. Do you think that it, has, does it, have a lot to, does it have a lot to do with the, the sort of bigger events going on in DC, that that book can't take its rightful place at the top of the DC food chain? It could be that they have, they have to be in a holding pattern until the final crisis shakes up. Right. 
that I don't sucks. know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's it. I just you know it's it's too bad that you've got you've got books like Green Arrow and Green Lantern and very focused by the by the writer, very much controlled by the writer, with a clear vision for the story and the characters. And then you've got like Justice League and Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Well, Superman's actually starting to come around because Jeff Johns is on it now. But who's you know they're just all over the map. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're not focused. I think they need to put Jeff Johns on this book. They didn't put him on all the books. <laughs> yes, he, he said he said he would he would he would love to write Justice League. That would be that would be awesome. That'd be really good. His actually his main uh, his main wish is to write Aquaman. <laughs> I'll take it. Shit. Uh, this next email is my favorite voicemail. Is my favorite voicemail. voicemail ever. Hey guys, how's it going? This is Dave calling you from Denver. Actually, in a bar right now. Got a bit of a dilemma for you. I was hoping you guys could help me out with. Um, been dating a girl for about a month now. Things are going pretty well. And uh, she doesn't know that I'm a comic geek. And I'm not sure how to, like, break the news. Hey, how's it going? Uh, so, I don't know, man. I don't think she's geek-friendly, so to speak. So it's like, somehow i got to break the news that I'm a, a total fucking comic fanatic. I don't know. Maybe you guys can discuss this later. I gotta go back there, because she's sitting alone. Talk to you later. Man, at first I thought that he was full of shit, because it was, like, silent, and then for some reason at the end, he, he turns up the ambient music. I'm like, oh my god, there's a dude who really called us from a bar. <laughs> what did he call us from a bar, but he left her at her table. Like, he's like, I'm gonna go to the bathroom, and he ran and called us. <laughs> like, it, like, it, like it came up in conversation, she was like, what are you into? And he's like... I gotta call uh, my fanboy. I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta be right back. <laughs> and he wasn't gonna get an answer. It's a voicemail line. <laughs> I want to know how the rest of the day went, Dave. Come on. Oh. Oh. Oh my do we have to do, do, do we have to do a relationship show part two? We might have to. Uh, Dave, go watch our video show about the relationship. What episode number was that? Like 12, something? 13? 14? It was in May. We did a video show that about all about relationships. You ha- don't hide your comics from her. Own them. Be proud. Yeah, and you can't. She doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't like you because uh, you read comics. She's she's not gonna like you for other things. So, you know what I mean. And if you and if you hold on to it for too long, she's gonna think you were hiding it when it didn't matter before, and she's gonna. Well, why was he hiding it? Right. Don't be ashamed. Be proud. There's also nothing better than confidence. So if you're confident yeah. about it, then she'll respond to that. You should totally yeah. get a Batman tattoo. <laughs> or not so, <laughs> if we did another relationship show uh, it would be like Josh and his wife and Ron and his girlfriend and then it would be like me and the, uh, the girl I met at a bar last night <laughs> hey, how's and, it going? She, and she's still drunk <laughs> her hair's like disheveled <laughs> she has a sock stuck to her shirt what the <laughs> it's the next day she's looking around she's like why are all these lights on <laughs> Because we didn't tell her. We just set the stuff up and then woke her up. Your name is Lisa, right? Lisa? Yeah, okay. It's Laura. (laughs) Oh, shoot, sorry. (laughs) God, all right. (laughs) Our next voicemail isn't nearly as good. Oh, Oh, that's awful. Hey, fanboys, this is Brad from Kentucky. Um, I just recently got back into comics uh, a little over a year ago, and I already emailed you guys about uh, getting back into X-Men. And thanks for all the recommendations. Um, anyways, uh, guy at the comic book store was talking to me because I ordered um, Speak of the Devil, the new series by Gilbert Hernandez, uh, six issue miniseries. And I was just wondering about Love and Rockets. I don't really know much about it other than what I've read on Wikipedia. And I just want to know what's a good place to start. Should I just start reading the volumes one through whatever? Or should I check out the uh, Jamie's Hopper or Jamie's Hobbish 13 stories? Um, 
any kind of help with this would uh, be great. See you. Ah, uh, uh, loving rockets. We're gonna fight over this one, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> and in this corner, it's one of those seminal works. Now, before before we get into our personal opinions, Love and Rockets <laughs> by the Brothers Hernandez, Jamie and uh, or Jaime and Gilbert Hernandez, and every now and then Mario, I think, or the, the third brother or something. Um, they've been, um, you know, churning out independent comics since the early '80s. Yeah. Uh, black and white. Um, they're known for their very kind of uh, clear kind of lines. You know, like very. You know, the art. I don't want to say simple, but the art is very clean. Yep. Um, um, regardless of our personal opinions, they are considered. It's considered one of the great pieces of comic work in the, the modern day, and that kind of thing. A lot there heralded as great creators. It, and all it that. is well, legendary in, in, in indie in their indie yeah. legends. I would yeah, say exactly. it is to indie comics what like The Watchmen is to. To, yes. Well, modern indie comics, what the watch yeah. is to modern superhero comics. Yeah, I mean, Love and Rockets, Cerebus, like we're talking those, they're, they're, you know, this kind of pantheon of fantastic indie comics. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that said. <laughs> <laughs> they recently, uh, last year, was it last year, they, they put out some big, like, uh, compilations. Fa- fan- what Fanagraphics has been doing is Fanagraphics has been collecting all of the Love and Rockets work all the way back to the beginning into beautiful trade paperback editions. Yeah, um, they are. They're nice. Yeah, package. well designed, well produced, well all that kind of stuff with the complete all the work. Um, if I would uh, say, I would say, if you're curious about it, pick up the first volume. Um, well, they're not really numbered, are they? I mean, there's yeah, they are. storylines. I'm pretty sure they're numbered. I don't they're think. That, I don't think they're not. They're not. They're by storyline. They're just okay. they're, they're self-contained. Yeah. I picked up Maggie the Mechanic, which is the yeah. first um, one. Yeah, I, I, don't, I mean, I you know. They're they're always been around for me, so I always see the I just see the single issues of comic stores or bookstores or whatever, and you know you you always hear the name, and I, I always assumed it was an indie, straight up indie, you know, people's tale, yeah. and uh, I was shocked to find that it's actually very the Maggie Mechanic book is very sci-fi. Yep. Um, I didn't finish it. I stopped reading about halfway through. I, it was it was a struggle. I mean. Yeah. The, core, the craft is there. The art's beautiful. I mean, I assume, the writing seemed fine. It just wasn't what I was looking for. I wasn't into it. Now, it was, now the, the it thing is that read. the stuff that Jaime and the stuff that um, and the stuff that Gilbert do tend to be very different. Um, there's a little bit of sci-fi. There's a lot of sexuality. There's a lot of you know, kind of like kind of over the top, um, not stories, but over the top kind of illustrations and all that kind of stuff. I, I for one, love everything they've done. I mean, I started reading Love and Rockets, and when I, it was one of the first you know kind of indie comics that I picked up um, because actually, ironically, from the band that stole the name. Um, and it was just—I I don't know. It just, yeah, you're right. It gets weird, but I—I I like it. So I—I I couldn't even tell you why, you know. So I just it wasn't what I was expecting. I was hoping I would, you know, we always talk about wanting the next big indie personal tale, and I was hoping for a great seminal indie personal tale. And I got, you know, dinosaurs and. and yeah. uh, you should, no. that, that said, that said, that, that said, we should, uh, let me let me go through the, the trades that have come out since then, Connor, because there's there's got to be one in there that I think that would is not as sci-fi and not as weird that you. That, and I, and I'm a, I, I love sci-fi. I'm like maybe sci-fi. like Palomar. I, I didn't. Or, or, I, didn't yeah. I didn't respond to any of it. Yeah, I think maybe Palomar. You might like it a little better. We'll we'll we'll, we'll work on this. But Love and Rockets, definitely just check it out. Oddly Ooh, enough, I've never it. read any of it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll read. I'll, let me read yours, Connor. Let me let me take a shot at it so I, I know something. Because yeah. geez, what are we passing the books around this week? Jeez. Yeah. 
Um, but so um, if you wanted to call and leave a voicemail, um, if, if you have an opinion of Love and Rockets or anything, you can call one eight eight fanboys. That's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Um, but if you wanted to check out Love and Rockets, Connor, where could yeah, you go? Yeah, suddenly you decided, hey, I'm, I'm interested. I've heard the name. I'll go to ifanboy.com slash store, and I will go to Amazon through there, and I will look out for Love and Rockets, and I'll pick it up there. Or I'll go there and check out what we've been talking about in the video show or our own personal uh, picks, which we should probably change because we've talked about that every week, and we still haven't done it. Um, but ifanboy.com slash store. Uh, and then if you're at ifanboy.com after you've completed your purchases uh, check out some of the stuff we got going on there there's lots of good conversation there's, there's posts we got stuff going up all the time um, you know links to the, the forums over revision 3 and just tons of good stuff there indeed and um, we've also got a lovely video show a video podcast that you might have checked out it comes out every Saturday on both on ifanboy.com as well as revision3.com forward slash ifanboy um, yesterday we had a, uh, had a had an episode come out about Sandman if you was, didn't um, if you didn't love that episode you have no heart if you haven't watched it stop what you're doing go look at it at least watch the first five minutes trust us oh, it's a great show <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to go on. this is a great show I liked this show a lot um, and next week we're actually looking at uh, Kingdom Come. Horrible show. It was the worst one we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, so check out the video show every Saturday. Yep, and if you want an iFanboy t-shirt, you can go to jinx.com slash iFanboy. You can get one there. Uh, it's got iFanboy in the front, intern on the back. If you get one, send a picture of yourself wearing the shirt to jinx.com, and they'll give you free stickers and send it to us. We won't send you anything for free, but we will appreciate it. Drilling this into your head works because somebody called us from a bar. 888-FANBOYS-3262697, or if you want to write us an email from your iPhone when you're at the bar, contact at iFanboy.com. The drilling in is so deep that somebody actually called us and left a message for Around Comics. And we've gotten them for Scott Hines before, too. Yeah, we have that. <laughs> So, um, also, uh, to drill in your head, if you want to be our friend on the internet and you're part of the whole little social networking phenomenon, you go to MySpace.com or ComicSpace or Verb or Twitter and throw a slash iFanboy on there and be our friend. Or you go to Facebook, search for iFanboy, you can be a fan of us or join the the iFanboy group at Facebook. Uh, And if you'd like the show, you can leave a review at iTunes for this show and for the video show. We appreciate uh, the feedback. And better yet, you can tell your friends about the show, tell your comic book store owner, your mom, your dad, or the person who does the school crossing guards. They might need to listen to something while they direct traffic. Uh, Give us money at ifanboy.com slash donations, please. (laughs) (laughs) They help us make the show and the website. (laughs) We appreciate it. Thank you. Um, All right, cool. Well, then. I feel satisfied because, like, I have no comics to read right now. You don't? <laughs> well, no. Like, normally, you know, there's the, the rush to read the book on Wednesday. You know, then I normally, sometimes I go back and I reread stuff. But I actually had time this week, and I read them all, and now I can relax. Well, so. isn't your life awesome? It is. Sure. Awesome. <laughs> I've still got sure. the trade paperback stack of, of Doom. Oh, yeah, and no, I have that, too. That yeah. never goes anywhere, ever. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I've got reading to do, apparently. I, I didn't know. <laughs> or I'm Josh. That works, too. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>